What is up, beautiful people? We have the amazing Christine LaBounty here right now in the house. Um, Christine has now become kind of a good friend of mine. We did a tour of California together. Um, I, I, We only kind of followed each other on Instagram before that, but I've been hearing a lot about her. Marco had been talking about her. Marco's a good friend of both of ours, Marco Rivera. Um, if you're on Instagram, by the way, guys, come on to YouTube if you actually want to hear Christine, because you're only hearing me on Instagram right now. But Christine is amazing, amazing realtor, lives in San Diego, absolutely crushes it. Um, and yeah, I'm just so excited to have you on. This is going to be fun. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. 100%. So uh, just real quick, give like a background of yourself, of your career so far in real estate, entrepreneurship, all of that. Just let people for the zero people on here who don't know who you are, just real quick, give them like a quick bio of just like what you do and all that good stuff. Okay. So um, I actually uh, graduated in college. I went into corporate America. So I had like your eight to five desk job. Um, I... I kind of joke, I did that for a few years. I, I enjoyed it, but I was burnt out and broke, um, which is not a good combination to be. Um, I was in an industry that just could afford not to really pay very well because a lot of people wanted to be in that industry. Um, and I did marketing and PR for them. Um, and so after a few years, I decided I deserved better. And I was going to take the leap into real estate. I had had some exposure to it growing up. My mom was a luxury agent um, up in Los Angeles for over two decades. Um, I had an aunt two uncles, cousins in commercial and uh, residential real estate. So um, I was very familiar with the industry, um, but it was just from kind of, you know, being in their vicinity, not because I actually knew much about it beyond that. Um, and so I, I took the leap and I literally started from ground zero. I was in San Diego, um, a city that I did not grow up in, that I did not go to school in, and that I had zero friends in. So I literally had to build my business from the absolute ground up. I'm talking working 365 days a year for two or three years, nonstop, grinding, you know, doing open houses, networking events, everything I could to grow my database and build it into ultimately the business that I have today. Wait, two questions, two questions just from that already. What you said two years you had to grind? Non-stop. Oh my gosh, it was, it was the first two, two and a half years. I really did not take a day off. I mean, I was working gotcha. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all day, every day, um, exploring so the county. I have two questions in my mind. The first question is why San Diego then? Like, why, why'd you move there? Why did that happen if you don't have any yeah. friends or don't have any connections at all? So I had grown up in Los Angeles. Um, I had been working in Los Angeles. Um, I had what I consider my quarter life crisis, moved to Sydney, Australia, got a really great opportunity with um, my job at the time, Um, went and did marketing and PR out there for one of their licensee companies, came back and decided I was not ready to leave Southern California, but I was done with the LA just grind. It just, I had had enough. I grew up there and I was ready for something new. San Diego felt like the kind of more down to earth, slower paced kid sister of LA. So that sounded great. Um, and I'd been there a couple times and I always had a good time. So it was really kind of a, on a map and I just ended up there. And so I, I did have a corporate job there initially, um, before I made that decision to go into real estate. So my roots, my new kind of roots, if you will, 
were there. Um, and so I decided to take a chance. I loved the city. And my first two, two and a half years kind of became almost a love letter to the city in that I I dedicated every spare moment I had to exploring every single corner to make sure that I knew everything about everywhere in San Diego County so that I could become the most knowledgeable agent that I could against peers who had grown up there their whole life. Awesome. Okay. So that was question number one. And then question number two, right? You were grinding for two and a half years to become the best agent you possibly could be every single day. And then on day two and a half and the, on that day <laughs> where it would have hit two and a half years, what finally changed in your mind where, what, what had been like, wait a minute, there's something wrong about this. Um, it wasn't that something was wrong. It's that something finally clicked and business started coming to me instead of feeling like I was constantly chasing it down and clawing after it. Um, you know, when I dove into real estate, because I didn't know anybody, I had to grow a network very fast. Um, and I had to build credibility in a, an industry that I had no experience in. Um, and I had to create likability and trust. And so, um, I did that by being everywhere I could in front of as many people. Um, and I really leveraged, I mean, social media was really the tool that I leveraged. So I added every single person on social media and I spent every single day touring the city, um, doing home tours. I mean, you name it, I was doing it and I was documenting it all on social media. So over time, my name became really synonymous with real estate to the network that I was connected with on my social media. Um, and over time, my credibility grew, um, my confidence grew with what I was discussing. Um, and I really just kind of built those relationships up to the point that people began calling me to, you know, buy or sell real estate or started referring me out. And that's really when I saw, um, you know, my business, start to um, kind of accelerate, uh, you know, beyond kind of what it had been that first year or two. So um, that's really where the turning point truly was. But it it was a lot of grinds leading up to that. So how did it click? How does one click where eventually where it makes it where leads just come to you, right? I have experience with this as through wholesaling and social media, right? And like being in these communities sub to an astro where people just send me leads now, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. But how do you get it where, because I think your business is basically fully run off social media at this point, right? Am I wrong about that? Are you still doing any active like outreaching for leads? Um, I don't really do much outreach at all. My business is, I'd say 95% referral based. Occasionally I'll get, um, or, or social media based. Occasionally I'll get, you know, clients that stumble into a listing of mine and, you know, and, and I'll end up representing them. But, um, for the most part, yeah, it is, it is referral based. Um, and that's, again, that goes back to building those relationships. Um, I kind of identified early on who my target customer was, who was going to be the easiest group to break through. And I set kind of short and long-term goals. So the short-term goals I saw, I had a unique advantage and I chose to see it as an advantage in that I was 28. Um, and so I was able to connect to millennials who were either buying their first place or selling their first place, buying their second, um, in a way that, you know, a 70 year old, um, realtor who had been in the business 50 years, you know, just couldn't, right? They they were looking at it through a different lens than I could with my fellow peer. So um, first time homebuyers, millennials, that is really how I built 
the my business up you know, as a foundation, but then I started looking long-term too. I knew long-term those kinds of buyers are only going to be doing one or two deals every three, five, seven years, right? Especially here in Southern California. So investors, developers, fix and flippers, um, referral based partners that I could have that were divorce attorneys or lenders or bankers. Those were people that I had to build a role, a business Rolodex around and harbor that relationship and eventually earn their trust and win their business. And those were going to be ultimately the people that would feed me deal after deal after deal and really take my business to a whole nother level. And that took a couple of years, but that was the strategy. So let's talk about that because I'm really interested in that, right? Obviously I'm an investor. You know, my main strategy is working with realtors to get deals and i'm constantly outreaching to realtors like that's what i'm doing all day that's like what my team is doing all day right so i'm curious because there are so my camera's so wonky but like i'm curious why um some realtors are like you who just get it where they're like wait a minute working with investors is the best thing ever i can do deal after deal after deal after deal over and over and over again with these guys it's not like a normal home buyer where they're going to do it like once every three to seven years. Right. Why, what, do, what do you feel like? Cause you, you probably are better friends with more realtors than I am. What do you feel like some realtors think about investors? What's wrong with their mindset? What, what do you feel like is that tension sometimes between investors and agents that like is there? I don't know if you see that, if you've ever seen that, but I'm like curious about it. Yeah, I think the I think it starts with honestly kind of a lack of education. Um, you know, as a real estate agent, the training we go through is relatively minimal. Um, and it's relatively traditional, generic, basic, dating back, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Um, and so agents that are entering the business really aren't taught the value of working with investors or how to work in with investors or what to look for, how to screen them, how to vet them to find the good ones versus, you know, the bad seeds or the ones that are kind of a wolf in sheep's clothing that don't really know what they're right. doing. Right. Um, much like realtors, you know, one bad apple spoils the lot. And I think the same goes through to investors um, and I think agents just don't know any better. And so agents, you know, they don't, people in general don't like what they don't understand. Right. Um, they'll take the path of least resistance. And so if that's a direction that they just aren't educated on or intimidated by, I don't think it's something they're going to pursue. And so I think it really starts with education really should be at the brokerage level, but for a wholesaler or an investor who's trying to build relationships with agents, I think, kind of dumbing it down and, and starting with the basics of like, hey, here's how here's how we can work together and here are the ways in which we can feed each other's business. Um, I think that is really key. And I don't think all investors approach agents in that manner. 100%. Trust me, I teach people how to do this. And like, I hear them talk to agents and I'm like, so were you a uh, were you trying to make them think that you're a scammer or like, were you trying, like, were you trying to, it's a joke, but like you have to come off with just being like super, like, here's what I do here. Like I tell, I tell realtors every single, here's where, especially like, I think 
fix and flippers and realtors get along better than wholesalers and realtors a lot of the times, right? And I think that has to do with just that we're not communicating. I think this is more the wholesaler's fault is that they don't communicate fully, like what their plans are. So like the first time I talked to a realtor, and this is true for me, so it's like, it might be harder for other people, but like I do buy and hold, I do fix and flipping, and I do wholesaling. That's one of the first things that I tell them, right? And I've noticed in my life that if be, once I tell them that, at least up front, then they're just way more receptive to working with me. And like, I will, I'll tell a realtor when I'm putting in an offer, just being like, hey, this one is like incredibly close. I just want you to know, like I'm putting in an assignment clause because if it doesn't work for me, I might end up wholesaling this. I just want you to know that. Um, and then I explain it to them. They know what's going on. They're not going crazy thinking like, who the hell is this? What do like they see like an email blast from like one of their investor friends, right? Um, I I was my question about this is like to me, that seems to be the problem. I think the biggest problem. I don't think agents necessarily don't want to work with wholesalers. I think agents just want to know who the hell you are and like what you're planning on doing and like what your experience is and all of that stuff. Right. Um, I'm curious if you agree with me, if there's more things that wholesalers can do, maybe other things that realtors can do to bridge this gap, because I think it's a sad that there's a gap there. I think we could, I think a lot of wholesalers and a lot of realtors could be making a lot more money together. So I'm curious your opinion on it, all of that. I, I agree. Um, there's definitely a communication breakdown. Um, you know, I think uh, here's a perfect example, actually. So I had a listing um, <clears throat> earlier this fall that, Basically, it was a trust sale and um, the seller, I gave them the option of, you know, we have one of three options. We can sell it as is to an investor. You're going to get a lower price, but it'll be fast, easy, and you don't have to worry about it. Um, we can do a little bit of work and we can let fall somewhere kind of in the middle. Um, it's going to take a little longer, you know, and we still run the risk of what happens when we really start peeling back the layers and doing inspections on a house we don't know anything about or um, you know, we can do a full renovation gut ourselves and I can show you how to do that and give you walk you through that and bring on contractors, blah, blah, blah. They ultimately ended up wanting to just sell it as is. So I reached out to a handful of investors, some wholesalers that I knew from a group. I posted it in what I thought was a, a kind of private trustworthy group. And next thing I know, you know, the property's on investor lift and it's being shopped around and people are trying to daisy chain it. And, I was and it's not even I, under contract yet. Nobody has a contract. It was my listing. Um, it was my listing. But nobody has a purchase contract. No, 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 no. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah and that's so it just, I had all these people kind of calling me and I mean, it was just, it was a whole bunch of nonsense. And I was kind of sitting there like, okay, I could have done this myself. I, I know the game and I want to work with somebody that is experienced, that knows what they're doing, that knows what they're talking about, and that is communicating with me more than anything, right? And so I think that's a great example of a frustration that I immediately had of, of okay, you know, and there were certain wholesalers that I knew what they were doing, you know, and and so I immediately made a note of it. And those are wholesalers that I'm not going to work with because I feel like I can't trust you to bring an opportunity. I brought an opportunity to you. And instead of you being honest with me about what your intentions were with that, you know, you went behind my back and you know, started shopping it left and right. And that was just not something I was interested in doing in the, in this situation to protect my clients. Right. And that's an agent because this is such a relationship business for us. 
you know, we have to make sure that we're looking good and we're acting in the best interest of our clients. And sometimes that gets lost when we feel like wholesalers are going behind our back and, um, you know, and not communicating with us their true intentions with the property, you know, their true experience, all of that. And a skilled agent can pick up on that very quickly. Um, and all you're going to end up doing is kind of biting the hand that feeds you. So, um, you know, I think that's, I think those examples are kind of what, what spoil the lot for some realtors, you know, when they're 100%. So for the audience, because here's what I'm going to play devil's advocate to like what a lot of wholesalers think, and I completely disagree with this, but this is what wholesalers think. Wholesalers think, okay, but like, how, like, would I ever even get a shot at it unless I told you that I'm a real estate investor, I'm buying it? Like, would you even give me a chance to wholesale it with a purchase contract? And what I really, what I really want to know the answer to, Christine, is like, in that scenario, let's say I'm just, let's say I'm a wholesaler. Would there be a way that they go to you and you'd let them wholesale it? Would they, like, how, how would you want a wholesaler to work with you potentially in the future? on any situation that's off market where um, you guys can actually make something happen? Like how would you actually want the conversation to go where you'd be really happy with that? Yeah, I think if someone, if if somebody that I wasn't familiar with and I hadn't worked with or communicated with, I think if you came to me, you introduced yourself and you had, you know, you had everything together of, hey, this is who I am. This is a little bit about my background, um, you know, if you're not, you know, super experienced, then maybe that's an opportunity to kind of partner with somebody who is a little more experienced, right? Um, but just to be totally transparent, here's what we're thinking, here are our ideas for it, you know, here's how we can show you where we can bring value to you, here are the benefits that would be to working with us, we're looking for a long-term relationship, so this isn't just one deal, you know, a one deal wonder for us, we want to actually continue to do deals, you know, you can tell people that have thought this out and are organized and, and know what they're talking about, you know, to some degree, right. Versus the people that are throwing spaghetti up on the wall, trying to get something to stick. Um, and I think that goes a long way, just the organ, the organization, the communication, um, and the full transparency that would absolutely make me pause. And if it wasn't the right deal that I felt that that was appropriate for even them just coming to me saying that I would absolutely sit down and be like, okay, if we can't make this deal work, I want to know more about you and your business and how we can possibly work together in the future. And I would absolutely, you know, take a call, take a zoom, get to know them and, and consider adding them to my short list of go-to wholesalers. I love it. I, I like that. I like that a lot as an idea. I think what I would do, for instance, with somebody like you, Christine, especially like pretending that we didn't know each other really well already and you didn't know my credibility. It's really easy now for me because I could just be like, look at all my YouTube content. Like, just look at me doing deals, right? Once you do social media, guys, all this conversation's so easy. Go to my Instagram, see all the stuff I'm doing. And then it's like, oh, okay, now, now I got instant credibility. But um, basically like, like for instance, like if I didn't have the Instagram and I didn't have like what I've been doing, a lot of times what I would do, um, for instance, for that situation, I'd be like, Hey, so I want you to know, like my price for fix and flipping this would be incredibly low. I think lower than what the seller would want. Um, I think it's possible for me to assign this one at the price they want, or maybe really close. Um, I think it's highly likely that I would be able to do that. 
um, are you okay with me doing that? Because right now, fix and flip numbers, I'm going to be way lower. Um, that's an option we can go down. But I really think there are going to be buyers. I have a list of over blah, 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 400, 500. I can send it to them. And then I get Christine's response, right? Sometimes, sometimes the realtor is like, no, I've got it, whatever, right? It's like, okay, just is what it is. Um, and sometimes the, and then sometimes a lot of times the realtor is like, okay, let's, let's look at that. Right. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's how I would go about it probably. Yeah. And um, I think, I think, and you, and I both know this just from, you know, being in sub two with Peace Morby and everything, but I really think the importance is leading with value and starting the conversation with, Hey, Christine, here's how I think I could bring value to you and your seller. You're telling me that your seller wants, you know, 600 K for this house or whatever it is, right? Here's how I think I could get that for them. Um, you know, but I also want to be honest, if I were to write the offer myself, you know, I think I could only realistically go up to 550. I know that's not really what your seller's wanting. So here's how I think I could get to 600, da, 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 you know, and, and that shows me that you're thinking about my client and me before you're thinking about you. And that is a really good way to build trust with people. Um, you know, I actually... I was getting ready to do an Instagram post on it because, you know, like yourself, I'm fairly active on Instagram and I've been having a lot of agents reach out to me lately from other markets across the country. And a lot of them are sliding into my DM saying, Hey, Christine, um, you know, I'm in the XYZ market. Um, you know, do you have any clients that are moving to XYZ. If not, you know, go ahead and put me down as your referral partner um, and send them my way, you know, if and when you do. And, and I read these messages sometimes and I'm thinking, okay, there's nothing about you wanting to get to know me or anything about my business. There's nothing you're really offering me in return. You're not even really mentioning about, hey, you know, occasionally I have people that are heading to Southern California, da da da. I'd love to refer you business as well. Or hey, is there a way we could collaborate? You know, da da da, do something creative. You know, there's it's just a me, 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 me. And those are the kind of people that in my head I'm thinking, okay, you're not trying to get to know me. You're not bringing any value to me. You just want me to bring value to you. And that is not a good a good lead in with an introduction. And I think the same rings true, right? For wholesalers is think about it from the real estate agent's perspective. What do we care about the most? We care about doing a good job for our clients, looking good for our clients and ultimately getting more referrals from our clients. So if you can make me look good and get my clients what they're looking for or super close to it, I'm going to pause and give you a chance to, you know, have a conversation with me. Yeah, 100%. The only time I don't do any of that is if like the price is so low that I'm like, no, just give me that. Like I just <laughs> want that right now, right? And then I worry about everything else later. Yeah. That happens every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's only when it's just, like, that's such an obvious one. But yeah, guys, like Luke, Luke watches a lot of my stuff. And literally, I say it every single time, realtors literally don't care. I've maybe had, I've talked to thousands of agents at this point in my career and i've maybe had five who were like yeah i don't want to work with you at all uh you mentioned wholesaling it's very very rare because i'm coming off professionally um i don't know christine probably you haven't heard that much of what i call the scorch method but i go in and i'm immediately on an intro call like hey my name is jonah real estate investor in this area 
what I do better than anybody else is I solve selfish problems. So if you ever are dealing with foreclosure, no equity, whatever it is, I promise I'll have a solution no matter what. And I'm going to solve that problem and get you your commission, right? And when you come out with like that, where I'm like I'm leading with value, then the realtor is much more interested. They don't care if necessarily you're mainly wholesaling or mainly fix and flipping. They just want to know that you're sticking to your word, that you're being honest and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, this is great. I really like this conversation because I think I, I find it sad that like realtors and wholesalers don't like just constantly mesh together. And I think I think it's mostly our fault, to be honest. I think it's not as much the realtor's fault. I think it's mostly wholesalers being insecure about how to get deals because maybe they're newer. They don't feel like they know anybody. They don't know what to do. Right. And that's just what I see. Right. And it's and it's sad to see because like you said, it's just it runs the whole bunch. It's the same with realtors with clients. If like a realtor screws you over, you might think that all realtors are like that. Right. And that's just human nature and like what we have to deal with. Um, so well, anyway, I thought, that, was, I thought good. that was a great intro, too. Um, I thought that script is fantastic because that's what we're trying to do. Right. We're trying to solve sellers problems. And there are a lot of agents that come across or target you know, those, those exact scenarios. Um, and so having someone like you in their back pocket is, is ideal, right? I mean, that's just another solution in our toolkit. And that's why I love working with investors and fixed and flippers and wholesalers, because just like that listing that I told you about from the fall, I had three options to present to my seller and I let them make the call, right? But I knew exactly who I was going to need to kind of funnel this property to based off the decision they were making. And I was able to offer them those opportunities and ultimately the decision they went with because I had wholesalers and fix and flippers and investors like yourself in my back pocket that I knew could deliver. Um, and so it makes me look like a champion in my seller's eyes. And so if uh, you're painting it exactly how an agent wants to see and hear it, right? And so I think that that's super important is making sure the wholesaler, if they're if they're reaching out to agents, put yourself in the agent's position. What do they want to hear? What pain points are they having with their clients? And how can you be the solution? And if you lead with that, I promise you, nine out of 10 agents are going to take your call and give you the time of day to kind of hear you out. I love it. So Christine, because I'm curious, because I hear this a lot. I'm just going to, I'm going to pretend I'm the wholesalers in this bunch right now. I like this conversation a lot. So how... Do you get the constant texts and the constant calls from investors? Are you like on the list? I'm like kind of curious. So yeah. what do you do with those? Because a lot of agents in my pipeline, right? Like I and I initially have to like really show them that I'm like a real human being before they start responding to me. What do you do with those texts? How do you filter them? Do you respond to any of them? I'm just kind of curious your process. Um. I get so many that no, I don't really respond to them much That's um, fine. Anymore, unless it's like, unless they're hitting me at very irrelevant or unless there's something in their message that stands out. Um, but for the most part, I catalog them in both my phone and then I get a lot of emails as well. And so I literally have a folder of like wholesalers, fix and flippers or whatnot that have reached out. And then when I do get a property that is exactly what I know they're looking for. Then I kind of start going back through those messages. But I will say I make the calls and I prioritize 
those that I have either worked with in the past or had real conversations with. And those are the conversations I have first before I just kind of open it up to anybody that happened to send me a text, right? Because then I don't really know who's on the other line. And there are certain situations and certain sellers that I cannot afford to, you know, have it turn into kind of a free for all. So it goes a long way to, you know, to be a face, to have had a conversation um, and to show that realtor that you're taking your business seriously. And again, you're not just mass texting every agent in your county, um, again, to just kind of see what spaghetti ends up on the wall. Yeah. I have never done a deal with an agent without talking to them at some point. It's physically impossible. Right. Um, I almost all of the deals, maybe one or two I've ever done was from the initial text message. Almost all of them. I first have to get on an intro call with, right. And the, I, you would have, you would probably ignore my first message. And then my second and third one, you'd probably be like, Oh, wait, what's happening here? This guy actually might be legit. Right. Yeah. Um, a lot of but it's hard follow up messages. Like I, yeah. and I'll do that. I'll go back through and look, okay. Has this person sent me like multiple, are they consistent at least, even if I haven't gone on a phone call with them, are they consistently sending me messages or are they like one and done? And you'd be surprised. You'd be horrified at the number of like one and dones that I have just sitting in my, my phone. And those are the ones that I, I usually end up ultimately trashing because they aren't people that ever reached out. They sent me one text and they think that they have their bases covered. And that to me just isn't somebody I want to work with. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. Like you have to, you have to be following up constantly. I mean, the only way, Christine, you can tell me if I'm wrong. This is what I've noticed. And this might not be true for you. I don't know if it's true for every realtor. The only way I beat out, like if I just, let's say Christine and I have had one conversation, right? Let's say I just had, we had a great conversation, sure. But she has what, 20 investors she trusts and knows and loves. And she just had one conversation with me. Usually the only way I beat out any of those people is that I text her right when she gets something. Usually if I text Christine or an agent right when she gets something, I call her immediately and be like, give me the situation. And then you give me the whole situation. I'm like, great. All right. I'm going to calculate the numbers. I was like, okay, here's where I'm at. Let's make it happen. Right. That's the only way I beat them because I've almost kind of just made it so easy for Chris, Christine, where it's like, okay, well, I mean, he's right here making it happen right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you feel about that. I think that's the only way that I think of like someone like me would be someone you already have a relationship with is like, if you just happen to get it right at the right time and you're just on it while the other person, uh, you didn't even have a chance to text or like, it's just, or whatever. Right. Like, what do you think of that? Do you agree with me or disagree? Yeah, I, um, I agree, but you know, I'm, I'm a relationships person. So if someone is proactively trying to build a relationship with me, you know, that goes a long way in my book. And I remember that I actually had Um, a community member. I don't even remember how he got in touch with me or why, but um, somehow our paths crossed and he, he got on the phone with me and he was asking, you know, is, is there anything I can do for you and your business outside of just your traditional real estate business? We got to talking and he discovered that I was actually looking for a certain type of property in a certain type of area. And he's like, okay, I'm going to put out feelers. I, I, you know, occasionally come across this. We got off the phone. That was it. Literally. I want to say like, three or four weeks later, I get a call from him and he's like, Hey, I think I found you exactly what you're looking for. I remember you told me you were looking for this. 
I was an Airbnb property that I was kind of looking for in a certain location. And he sure enough brought me this deal. He brought me these investors that had multiple ones. They were trying to unload. And this is just something that he had been working on for three or four weeks. And and after that, I now bumped him to the top of my list because this was somebody that took the time to get to know me, what, what was going to be of value to me, something that wasn't even really related to what we had started talking about to begin with. And then he went so far as to actually bring me what he knew I was looking for. And I was so impressed by it that I told him, I'm like, I will give you, you know, first dibs on, on any properties that are relevant to you and your business, because you showed me that you cared enough and you listened to something that was personal that I was looking for. And that, I mean, that really went a long way. And he was, he was much more junior, you know, he wasn't as experienced as some of the other investors that I work with. And so I have been trying to really help him out. I've been making introductions because I just really appreciated that effort. And so there are ways, you know, think about it again, as building a relationship, especially with agents that, you know, are doing a lot of these types of deals, you know, think about it in the long term. These are not quick, fast relationships. You might get rejected a few times. Agents are lazy. We have, we get all these calls all the time. And so sometimes it's not even personal. We're just like, Hey, like you've caught me at a bad time. Like I can't talk. Right. But stay persistent. Um, and eventually you will break through, um, you know, and, and you will forge those those valuable relationships. And it only takes a handful of those valuable relationships to see your business skyrocket. It's literally like I got four where I'm that guy for some agents in the Bay Area. And it's just that's all you need. I'll yeah. probably make $20,000 a year, basically passively for the rest of my life because I'm that guy, right? Yeah. If you have 10 of those, right? And honestly, I kind of learned this later of like how valuable those relationships are, right? Um, they will carry you through everything, basically, if you if you can make those. So let's switch it up a little bit, right? This is a little bit different of a scorch of the scorch the fears than I usually do, but I'm having fun with this, and I really like this conversation. I don't usually have this conversation, um, but breaking it down with like really experienced agents like you. Um, so let's flip it from the agent's perspective. Let's say, okay, I'm getting all these calls and texts. I'm a little bit newer. Obviously I'm trying to grow my business. So I've got, all, I'm saying, yeah, let's do it to every single, any, anyone who's calling me or texting me, right? How do I filter these people out? So I'm getting the people who are legitimate, who I should be working with, whether they're a fix and flip or a wholesaler, buy and hold person. How, what should I do as an agent to be making the really good relationships with uh, investors? Yeah, well, I think I think the obvious is looking at their past experience. Um, so I always, uh, before I, I work with a wholesaler investor, I want to see their past three or four projects. Um, I want to know, I'll ask details, you know, so some, there's some information that they, you know, kind of. Are reluctant to share but for the most part they're pretty open about it and i'll ask for addresses i'll look at the timelines how long did this take you how much did this take you um you know i how quickly did you get the deal done once you went under contract did you close in 10 days like you said you were were there delays you know what's your inspection process look like i mean i look at everything 
um, so that I can get a sense of what is it going to be like to work with you. Usually when I'm selling a listing to a fix and flipper, I'm going to end up representing them on the way back. So I want to make sure that their quality of work is solid, that they're not, you know, somebody that's walking around about to get sued and then it's going to take me down with them. Um, but you know, even if they're wholesaling it, I want to know, you know, do you, do you already have these end buyers? Are you searching for end buyers? How confident are you? What's your vetting process? How are you making sure that you don't fall out of escrow with these people? You know, because again, it's going to make me and my seller look bad. Um, you know, so it's really getting a feel for their past business and their experience in whatever segment of the business, um, you know, they're trying to work with you on. That's kind of first and foremost for, for those that are a little newer to the game that maybe don't have that experience. Um, I think again, like JVing is probably the way to go for those first few deals, right? Because that's really going to be the way that you're going to make the agent feel warm and fuzzy is knowing that somebody involved is, you know, is on their shit, knows what they're doing and has the experience that you can leverage. Um, a solid agent is not going to want to go down a path with somebody who's inexperienced. They just simply won't, unless you're, you know, you're putting so much money in their pocket that their eyes can't see anything else. But again, that's not going to be a really seasoned agent um, because the most important thing to us is going to be, how are you going to make me look in front of my client? Right. Um, and, and I need to know that you're going to follow through on exactly what you're committing to in the contract. Yeah, 100%. I, I totally agree. I think, I think, I think newer wholesalers, newer investors should be JVing way more, to be mm -hmm. honest. Um, you should, I, like in all of my markets, I'm like, guys, send me the deal first. Like if you, it, like, I'll give you an idea of where you should be at and you can use my credibility. You can use flips I've done. You can use, um, you can show them all the deals I've wholesaled, right? Like usually I'll have like a portfolio of wholesales. I don't, I've done maybe three or, I don't do as many fix and flips. I'm not as, I don't like doing as much, but I can show those too and just be like, hey, here's when I'm fix and flipped. Here's when I'm wholesaled, right? Um, and you can JV with me, right? And most wholesalers like, um, you can easily go up to someone like me and just like, even if you don't want to have to sell it through me and you want to be able to do it on your own, just be like, Hey, just include me in the deal. So, you know, you're just sure you know what you're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, because if you do that, then it's not even just for the agent, it's for your sake. Like you don't want to look like an a-hole in general in business. Right. Um, if you're, if that's happening too many times, that's really not good. I'm not going to lie. There's a certain brokerage in the Bay area that does not like me because at the very beginning, I didn't follow this process. I did one deal that really screwed up and I made a mistake. And if I had no, if I had done better and listened to podcasts like this, I would have found somebody in the Bay area to JV with. This was four years ago. Astro and sub two weren't very developed. So there was nobody there. So I was like, well, there's nobody in my community. So I just got to go solo, but don't do that. Don't go solo. Find someone you can hit up Christine for anything in San Diego. You could hit up me for anyone watching. If you guys need anybody either in, in Colorado, California, or Florida, I just opened up Florida. Um, I will get you the right people to make you guys successful. And both of us, me and Christine will do that for you. I bet if Christine, if someone DMs you and is like, Hey, 
I'm in Nebraska. I know you don't know me, but I'm trying to be new. I'm newer. I want to meet more experienced people so that I can be better. Do you know anyone in Nebraska? I bet you totally just be like, yeah, here's who I know in Nebraska. Hit them up, right? Or make an introduction maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So it's not hard. You don't need to know the person. Just find people like me and Christine who have been in the business. Um, I've been in a couple of years. Christine, I didn't even ask you. How long have you been in real estate now? Uh, nine. Nine years. So nearly a decade. So you're dealing with people. I mean, I've been in it for. So guys, like, don't don't feel like me and Christine are too cool for you guys. It's just not true. We're, we're always trying to help. We're always trying to make, help out people getting deals and stuff like that because we know we help you guys at some point it's going to come back to us. So yeah, hundred percent. Like just don't be afraid to like ask us or research people and find someone who's like actually knows what they're doing and like partnering up with them for a couple deals until you feel like you've got it. Um, that's my little rant there. Yeah, um, I love it. So cool. Okay. <laughs> Let's switch directions a little bit. Right. Um, so I want to know about social media, right? I mean, you're a star on social media. You have a TV show, right? Um, how did the social media journey start? Um, how did you realize that that was important for your business as a realtor? Um, I, like I said, when I got into the business, I, I didn't know anybody right here in San Diego. And so I was going around networking like crazy. Um, and I quickly realized that the easiest way, because I'm a millennial for me to constantly be in front of people and sneak into their living room without them even realizing it was to be on their Facebook feed, on their Instagram feed, posting real estate. Um, and so it it became another way of follow-up, right? Outside of just text and emails, um, social media, I knew that my my the person that I was marketing to, my primary buyer and seller that was a millennial was spending how many, you know, average hours on social media every single day. I knew if I was posting and and doing stories and ultimately reels, once those came out, I knew that they were going to see my content, unless they, of course, you know, got sick of it and hid me or whatnot. But um, and so it just it became kind of my kind of secret weapon without them even realizing it. And I started seeing the success. They started commenting, you know, when I was early on in the business, you know, when you start in real estate, like everything else, right, you don't have a lot of business. So a lot of what I was doing were home tours, I was going on broker caravans, and I was showcasing, you know, million dollar homes, or I was doing neighborhood spotlights, and I was sharing interesting, cool things that were happening in different neighborhoods. And just by that, people started just associating me with real estate. And then they started, I would bump into them and they'd be like, Oh my God, I can't believe you're so busy. Gosh, you must be selling everything. Da, da, da. And they were just associating these open houses I was hosting or these, these showings or broker caravans I was going on as like my business. Um, they didn't really, you know, understand the difference. And so I began to see, gosh, this is really powerful because now in their eyes, I have credibility, right? Um, and so once you have credibility, you really start to, to build trust. And that's what it took to make my business skyrocket. And then that's when I really made the decision, okay, I'm going all in on social media because I'm not... I would consider myself kind of an extroverted introvert. I am just not going to sit here and cold call all day long, 
They're probably not going to get me door knocking unless it's for a specific listing and I have a specific reason. I'm not just going to, you know, pick a neighborhood on the map and start door knocking and ask them to use me as their agent. So social media was kind of my way around that. And I started growing an audience and people started connecting with me and I started finding cool, unique ways to bring education to my audience or connect with them or inspire them or whatever it is. Right. And I kind of developed a social media strategy around that. Um, and it really kind of started to take off and take a life of its own. And then ultimately all these other opportunities came with it. And that's ultimately how, um, the American dream TV show contacted me. They found me on social media and they liked what I was doing and they liked, you know, my marketing and PR background. And so they, approached me about becoming one of the hosts here in San Diego. And now I've been doing that for over a year. Um, so it's opened a lot of doors and now I've, I've had, you know, business owners and local, you know, local celebrities and athletes reach out and want to do projects or be featured or, um, you know, collaborate on Instagram. So it's, it's opened a lot of doors and ultimately again, grown my credibility, grown my brand, which is what I'm trying to do at this point, um, and ultimately grow my business. I love it. So what would be the first step to someone who's trying to copy you, right? Like, or they don't want to be Christine LaBounty, but they want to be an amazing agent in their area. What's the first thing they should do with their social media? How should they start growing it, connecting with people? Um, I mean, consistency is always the key. Um, and you'll see on mine, you know, I've lately, you know, I kind of go through waves of consistency versus not. Um, so, you know, it's the pot calling the kettle black a little bit, but consistency and then finding ways to connect with your audience. So figuring out who is your audience, who is your target buyer seller or your, your ideal client, right? Is it the first time home buyer? Is it, the luxury seller? Is it the young family who's upsizing and growing, you know, their, their family dynamic and, and selling their first house and growing their second, figure out what that is, figure out the area you want to market. Is it all of San Diego County? Is it North County coastal? Is it San Diego proper Metro, what have you, and then create content around that specific target demographic that you are trying to go after that clientele you're trying to reach um, and or that area that you're trying to market, right? And bring value. So start throwing in a mix of education videos, right? Teach them things, um, do neighborhood spotlights, um, show them around, show them that you're in the community, that you know what's going on, become kind of that we call it like your local like mayor, right? Um, you know, be the person that they think of when they think of this one area of San Diego or San Francisco, right? Um, do comedy, you know, show people, be relatable, right? Be likable. Um, I, I'm victim of this too. Like I always try to make everything perfect and I have to really get away of that and be more relatable and just be comfortable just filming myself. It feels awkward and cringy. Everyone thinks it's awkward and cringy. I don't know a single agent that does video that doesn't feel, oh my God, this is so embarrassing or cringe. Like nobody cares, but, but they do, right? Your audience will care if you're, if you're appealing to them, don't try and be everything to everybody. Find out who that specific person is and then create your account around that. I 100% agree. Like, I mean, it all makes sense. 
I think the one thing that I also just want to add on that I, I'm almost 100% you should I, you would agree with is be you. Don't try to be Pace. Don't try to be Jamil. Don't try to be me. Don't try to be Christine. Be you. Like you will speak to certain people and it's a lot easier if you're authentically you. My worst posts are ones where I'm copying other people, right? That's just is what it is. The ones where I'm like, I'm just going to take a Hormozy post and like redo it. Those are the worst ones because I'm not really speaking for my inner truth of like what I'm like, right? You're going to start seeing, Christine, I don't know how much of my content you watch, but it, people who watch my content, you guys are going to see a really funny series of reels coming up soon. That's going to be very me and my type of humor. And I guarantee they're going to go viral because of what I'm going to do with them. But it's because I'm the only one who would be able to do it. If Christine did these types of reels, I, I know you guys don't know what reels I'm talking about. It wouldn't even make sense. It would be like, what? That is nothing to do with Christine at all, right? And I think that's like what people miss the most is like, try to actually give your audience good content. Don't try to hack the algorithm, right? Um, that's what I've learned in the past like six months that I realized like, okay, we got to stop trying to hack the algorithm. We just have to make good content and that will naturally get shared and that will naturally have good things happen, yeah. right? Um, so yeah. how how do you monetize the social media growth? So you put out the content and then do you just say, hey, so yep, here's the content. I'm a realtor in San Diego. Hit me up if you want to work with me. Is it kind of just like that? Is there anything extra you would add on to that? Or um, That's a great question. Um, I wish it was that easy. Um, it it can and does get to that point eventually. But again, a lot of it is bringing value to people. So I have like I have takeaways that um, I offer people when they engage with my post. So I have like a buyer's guide. I have, you know, guides, tools, checklists, things that I know are of value um, that I'm willing to share, not even just with um, buyers and sellers, but also even sometimes with agents. And so I'll have kind of a call to action of, hey, you know, click this link, go check out this video. If you're interested, you know, drop a comment below and I'll send you a copy of my buyer guide. Or if I'm talking about a subject that I know um, is going viral or has a really positive response from my um, from my audience, you know, I make sure that I give them more of it of like, or I'll do a follow-up video of like, hey, you know, I, you guys gave me feedback of XYZ on this last post. So you know what, I'm going to drop the full buyer's guide for you. Click this to download it, you know, da, da, da. and then I, I try to capture, obviously, it's a lead capture, you know, mechanism. So I try and capture those leads. And then I try and grow the relationship from there. Um, sometimes they're within my own market, sometimes they're out of market, who knows if they'll ever turn into something. But if I'm constantly coming from a place of value, um, you know, the leads do follow people see that. Um, and they keep coming back for more, which, you know, just leads to more opportunity. So I kind of make sure that I'm either falling into the entertainment realm, that something I'm doing is entertaining, something I'm doing is either educating, or it's just bringing value to them in some way, shape or form. I love it. Awesome. So then uh, would you when you say, I think you used, did you use the word lead magnet? I think you did. Mm -hmm. What are your lead magnets? Can you explain what that is for the audience that doesn't know? 
Yeah, so a lead magnet is essentially kind of a hook um, that allows you to provide something to the audience and in turn collect data points from them, right? Um, ideally, name, phone, email are kind of the main touch points. Um, and that's somebody that you can then add to your database, put into your CRM, and continue building a relationship from there. But you are giving them something to get something, right? Um, it's kind of quid pro quo. So um, I'll do uh, I'll do post. Um, I actually have a few things like in my actual Instagram profile, you can literally go on there um, and go find a link. And there are some actual like guide links that you can download straight from there. Um, but they all require input of a few data points. I love it. Awesome. So Luke has a question. I don't usually take questions on sports of fears, but he's one of my biggest fans. He watches everything I do. So this is like the one time I'm doing it. Um, if you're new, sounds like the keys to just hit record and do it every day. What do you think of this? I'm kind of curious. I have an opinion on it that I'm going to save, but I'm curious about your opinion first. Um, yes. In so many words, I think not overthinking it and just doing it and creating the content absolutely is the way to go. Um, there is a slight difference with, you know, with the way we operate versus maybe the way that you guys operate, right? Like if I were to just throw something on my Instagram every other day, it might not necessarily appeal to the audience that I'm trying to appeal to, right? Like, so there is like a branding component um, that I want to bear in mind when I'm creating content. But for somebody that's new, absolutely, to just grow an audience and build a following, I think consistency is king and, um, and just getting on and creating it, absolutely. And you can do that in the form of static posts. You can do that in reels. You can do that in stories. Maybe it's not something that needs to live forever on your profile, but just having um having that presence and that ongoing activity on your profile every day is so important not only for the algorithm but also in growing consistency and reliability with your audience i think i am more of an opinion of what you were saying i don't think real estate investors should just throw anything on there either i think what newbies forget is that you should have a reason for doing the social media in your head why am i putting out this content Am I just doing it because I see Pace, Jamil, Jonah, and Christine do it? Or do I actually have an idea of what I want from it, right? Scorch the fears for me so everyone knows. I do this so that I can make better bonds with people that I see eventually doing business with or doing meetups with. I have Christine on here because this is the way – Christine and I were friends before this, right? Thanks to um, some mutual connections, Margaret Rivera. But, like, if I – if I didn't know her at all and I thought she was super cool and someone I wanted my Rolodex, this podcast is the best way to get someone who's way bigger than me on my pod or to start talking with them. I've gotten being a Jetty that way. I know Kent Clothier that way. I know people who are giants, Steve Trang, because who doesn't want to do a podcast where they're the star, right? Nobody. So I'm just putting someone on a pedestal and now they're in my Rolodex. If I either get their phone number or I don't, and then I have them. But either way, I have it on Instagram. If I ever see them in person, I'm like, hey, man, I don't know if you remember me. We did a podcast together, Sports of Fears. This was this. This is what we talked about. And then they're like, oh, my God, yeah. So, like, anytime, if I, when I see Ken Clothier in real life, I used to be with a mastermind with him, but that mastermind shut down. He knows who I am. 
So that's the whole point of Scorch the Fears. Scorch the Fears for me is actually not about growing my audience as much. I love including you guys and it gives me some really cool content to clip up. But for me, it's much, much, much more about like, I, I want Christine to know me. I want her to like me. I want us to be doing stuff. When I get a lead in San Diego, I'm gonna immediately think of her and she's gonna immediately think of me for Northern California or Colorado, or she probably won't think of me for Florida just yet. I really have to prove myself in Florida. That's a new one. But she'd probably think of me for Colorado or Northern California, right? Um, so having an idea of why you're doing a specific podcast, right? Or having an idea of why I'm putting out this content is to gather this people so that I can do this. I think people should think about their social media a little bit more and not just do things just because. And when you do that, it's going to be a lot. You're going to actually be happy that you're doing it instead of it feeling like a slug. Like you can, that's when it, it feels like a slug when you feel like, what am I even doing this for? I was just kind of doing it because I see everyone else doing it. You know, yeah. um, that's my personal opinion. I think different social media mediums, you know, foster and warrant different types of content, right? I don't necessarily put the same thing on my TikTok that I do my YouTube, that I do my Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, right? Those, some of it I can repurpose across the board, but some of it is more casual. Some of it is more formal. Some of it is targeting, you know, one audience. Some of it is targeting more of this audience because I know that there are certain audiences that are on, for example, my TikTok audience is different than my LinkedIn audience, you know, which is different than my YouTube audience. So I'm very conscious of the content that I'm creating and where it belongs on which social media, you know, avenue, right? And I think that is important. And that goes back to what I said about identifying who your audience is, who are you trying to target and create content around that. Think about what they want to see, what they engage with, what they respond to, that's what you should be creating. Yeah. And also make sure you have, make sure you can give this audience value and also that you're going to get value back from them. Don't choose, like, I'm not going to make content for multifamily investors. That makes no sense. I've never, I'm, I don't own any multifamily, right? I'm going to make content mainly for wholesalers and especially wholesalers that like doing deals with agents because that's how I've made most of my money, right? I'll do some content for fix and flipping whenever I do a project or some buy and holds when I do buy and holds. Those are great too. But whatever is going to get you money in your business, that's the type of content you need to be creating. So Christine, we didn't talk about fears at all. <laughs> Sorry, we didn't talk about what? Oh, I said we didn't talk about fears at all. That's usually what I talk about. But I, I, I'll just have to have you on again. You'll be on here soon enough again where we actually go more like we also go into fears and into the mindset stuff, but I really wanted to, I'm glad we had that conversation because I feel like we need to be having more conversations like that in the real estate investment community. Um, so that was good. I interrupted you though. You're about to say something. I don't even remember what it was. We'll come okay. back. Doesn't do matter. <laughs> so we'll do round two. We'll do Christine Labounty round two on sports of fears at some point in time. Um, so we're ending this podcast. We're or we're starting to get to the end of the podcast. I always end this podcast with one question that I really like knowing. So, Christine, if you could go back to when you were just starting off as a real estate agent, like maybe the first day you're like, okay, 
we're doing it. What would you tell Christine then, knowing everything that you know now? I would have... I would have gone all in on social media, on Instagram and YouTube specifically, much sooner. Hmm. Um, I think those Explain are, that. I think that's, those are the two places where I feel like I'm able to monetize the most um, and where I've gotten the most business. And absolutely, I would have gone all in, um, absolutely, on those two. Okay. I, I like that a lot. So that you just would have started the social media earlier. Yeah. Even if you didn't have done a deal. I'm sorry. Most people who watch think this is like, but I haven't done a deal yet. How am I going to even make social media content? What am I going to talk oh my about? Gosh, wholesalers. I mean, if you're a wholesaler, um, you should be creating like a YouTube page and you can repurpose content, right? But you should be creating a YouTube page. Um, you know, and, and create videos explaining what it is wholesalers do, educate people on who wholesalers are, how do wholesalers and real estate agents work together. Start thinking about if you want agents to be ultimately your clientele, create videos that explain to agents, here's how I can bring you value. Here are the different ways we can work together. Here's, you know, what we can, how we handle this type of seller. Here's what we do with this type of seller. I mean, you could create so much content, leverage chat GPT. Um, there's so much AI. Um, tools and availability now that you can plug in and you can get content ideas. You can go to ask the public and other sites like that and type in and find out what are people, what do people want to know about a particular topic, right? You can go to the YouTube search window and type in wholesaling and see everything that comes up below it, right? Wholesaling for realtors, you know, wholesaling with realtors, wholesaling this, wholesaling that, and you can see what people are searching for. Those are the things to be creating content around. And you can repurpose your content and put it into all of your different social media avenues, start connecting with people and grow that way. And that way you can start building credibility um, and you script those out. I mean, you practice those, but do it intentionally. Don't just start shooting random videos, right? But take the time to research exactly what the topic is. Know that it's being searched script it out, practice it, and then create a video where you are sounding confident and self-assured and create pages based off that. And I promise you, your credibility, your audience, it will grow. And eventually you'll start having conversations with agents and you can say, hey, reference my YouTube page. I actually create a lot of videos that would be super helpful for this conversation. Hey, why don't I drop you an email with some of my YouTube videos, linking how, explaining how you can work together. Why don't, why don't I send this to you? And then can we schedule a follow-up call after you watch some of these? Da, da, da. I mean, there's so many ways that you can monetize that um, and help build credibility, even if you are a new a new wholesaler. It's something that I'm screwing up. My YouTube sucks compared to my Instagram, and I really need to be creating those videos. I have come off so many times where I'm like, why am I sending Pace's video about what is sub to? I need to create a goddamn video about what is sub to and just break it down on a freaking whiteboard and just send them that instead of having it be Pace because that's just going Pace's credibility and not my own, right? Um, so that's just a reminder I need to be doing that. And also... Something that you could 100% do, I've seen Nathan do this. Nathan Harris, you probably don't know him, but Nathan Harris is an astro student. What he does really well is he'll just be like, honestly, look, I don't know how to edit anything. I don't know how to do the scripting or whatever. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to go live on everything and just you're going to watch me call and make mistakes and stuff like that. And I think that's also a great video 
thing to do because you can just go live and just do what you're doing anyways. And then also you're growing your audience at the same time as they're tuning in being like, okay, let's see how Nathan does it or how Jonah does it or how Christine does it. Right. So these are some really great ideas and I, I really love it. Um, Christine, where can people reach out to you? Where can they send you deals? Where can they, what else can they do for you? All that good stuff. Yeah. So, um, I'm pretty active on Instagram, Christine Labounty underscore real estate. Um, I just started going deeper into my YouTube page. Um, so I'm starting to upload content, but I'm having to take all of this advice myself. Um, I, my email is Christine at ChristineLabounty.com. Pretty easy. So uh, if you want to shoot me an email, you're welcome to. I'm happy to connect, offer any insights I can, um, you know, or connect you with somebody that can. And um, and yeah, I love I love connecting with new people. Which and, is the best way uh, to reach out to Probably my, my Instagram is the best way to communicate with me. I, um, I did it right, right? Yep. That, that's it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Christine, you're amazing. You're awesome. You are a great Scorch the Fears guest. I'm going to have you on again, though, where we actually get into fears and what I usually talk about, too. But I really like that conversation. I haven't had that conversation publicly with a realtor, so I really like that. Um, and yeah, do you have any last words before I wrap this up? I don't think so. I think just get out there, get out of your comfort zone. Um be okay being rejected. It's going to happen. It happens to me all the time still in this business. So, um, you know, like Jonah says, scorch the fears and get out there and just make it happen. Let's do it. So guys, next week, Cashflow and Coffee is going to be at 8.15 a.m. MST. Uh, so if you guys are interested in getting your questions answered, like I usually do every Monday, it's going to be earlier. We're starting at an hour earlier than usual. Um, that's going to be the time, the schedule for it. I know Luke's going to have to change his calendar for that. I appreciate you, Luke. Um, that's the main newest update. Um, look at that. People are following you right now. Um, but yeah, so there's that. Uh, I completely forgot who I have on next week, but I bet it's going to be somebody cool. Christine, you're amazing. I'm going to wrap this up. Scorch Fears episode 111. Let's freaking go.